This is our second message in um, an extended series on the Holy Spirit that will be, um, uh, I, I guess, extended for much, much of the rest of this year. And uh, I want to um, encourage you um, to make it your prayer throughout this uh, season uh, that the, the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know him better. And that is our, uh, that is our desire. Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues uh, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling uh, in there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout, devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking Galileans and how is it that we who hear uh, each of us in his own native language Parthians and Medes and uh, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked them, saying they are filled with new wine. Well, what is it that explains the powerful change in the twelve disciples? Uh, just weeks before, uh, Peter had been intimidated by a servant girl, uh, and had lied about his relationship with Jesus. The disciples, out of fear, all scattered. Uh, they were a defeated and demoralized bunch. They were a beaten team. And certainly, seeing Jesus raised from the dead uh, did unify them. And it gave them great joy. And it loosed their tongues to be able to speak of him. But seeing Jesus alone was not enough to transform the church into a holy and witnessing body. And so we read in chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the third person in the Trinity. He is God in action. He is the executive agent of God's powerful unworking of His plan in this world. He is is God at work in us as well. 
A couple of weeks ago, we saw that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. He is the one who is hovering over the primordial soup at creation and then changing it from that chaotic soup into a beautiful and united creation. And today we see that the Holy Spirit is not only the giver of life, but he is also the gift of life himself. He is the breath of God, the energy of God that changes us. Seeing Jesus was not enough. Jesus said this, this is the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't, uh, the helper won't come to you. This morning we want to look at three aspects of truth from this passage The Holy Spirit, first of all, came with power. Secondly, he fills the body of Christ. And thirdly, he equips us for mission. The Holy Spirit came with power. He fills the body of Christ. And he equips us for mission. He comes with power. The men and women had been waiting uh, since the uh, ascension of Jesus for that promise of the Spirit that was to come. They had been praying together and it had been ten days since Jesus ascended and they're still waiting and they're still praying. And then all of a sudden, in an answer to their prayer and in accordance with the providence of God and his love for the church, a sound of a mighty wind rushed among them. So loud that people in surrounding neighborhoods heard it and they were gathering to see what was going on. Did the house itself shake? I don't know. Did the curtains even flutter? We don't know, but there was the sound of great wind, the power of God. The closest I've ever heard this described is my friends in Puerto Rico uh, in the aftermath of Maria. Uh, one woman described, as she was lived up in the mountains, she described her house, her property there, as uh, being assaulted by Maria with the sound, as it were, of a 747 hovering 15 feet above their house, sitting there in midair, engines roaring for 15 hours. The power of God comes in the sound, the sound of wind. And of course, this reminds us, it certainly reminded them of the wind, the spirit of God, same word ruach, same word for spirit and wind, uh, as as, as the spirit hovered over that primordial soup and formed the creation there. That was creation number one. And it must have been in their minds that what's happening now? is creation number two. There is something new and there is something beautiful that God is beginning in the resurrection of Christ, absolutely. But here as well, part of the first fruits of God's blessing, Jesus started the rescue, but the very last thing that God would do before the return of Christ was to send the Spirit to give birth to the church and then to inhabit her. That's what's going on in the Spirit coming, inhabiting the church of God with power from on high. The second aspect here is tongues as of fire. Separating and resting on the heads of individuals there, 
I'm pretty sure that not even their hairs were singed, tongues as of fire. John, it says even earlier in this passage, would baptize with water, but the gospel says that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this reminds us of the of the presence of the Lord in the desert as Moses heard and was drawn to a burning bush. It burned but was not consumed. And take off your shoes, Moses, because the ground on which you stand is hallowed ground. And so too the presence of God made manifest in these in this fire uh, upon their heads. A holy fire, a gracious fire, a cleansing fire. And a fire also that gave them the ability to speak in foreign languages. Languages that they hadn't even taken time to learn on their Duolingo apps. Amen? Amen. Enjoying getting through some Spanish lessons. Helped me in my ministry in Puerto Rico. They didn't even need Duolingo. The ministry of the Spirit giving them tongues they had never uttered before so they can communicate the truth uh, to those who were gathering. Everything is leading up to this moment. Everything in the Old Testament is leading up to this. The Spirit has come. It is God forming and filling His people. They will become a worldwide temple inhabited by His glory. And the next step will be the the culmination of this new heavens and new earth. The job that has was started in Pentecost and is ongoing in our midst right now. God's doing something new, creating something beautiful that is a, a, a down payment of that which is to come. All right, what do we take from this first point? First of all, it's this, and that is don't envy the sights and sounds of Pentecost. It must have been great, would have been glad to be there, but you do not need at this point in salvation history, to envy what was going on in Acts chapter 1. They knew they had the Holy Spirit. There was evidence right there. But you can too. Romans 8 says that if you do not, if you, if you do not have Christ, you do not have the Holy Spirit. But it also goes on to say, if you do have Christ, you do have His Spirit. You may not see it. You may not feel it. There are days that you will wake up and you will feel lousy about life. But that does not mean you do not have the Spirit. What you can do, and what we pray that we will do this day, is come to know Him better. And that's our prayer target for this year. To come to know the Spirit, better. Second point of application here is do you ever live as if the Spirit had not been given? Do you ever live as if the Spirit had not been given? That He doesn't live in you. Or perhaps that He maybe did at one time and doesn't anymore. Another way to ask this question, are you given into hopelessness? Do you sometimes feel controlled by your sin and just wave your arms and just say, I give up. It's impossible 
I can't do it. Giving into hopelessness is saying the third person of the Trinity does not exist. Giving up in the fight of sin is saying the Holy Spirit does not live in me and won't help me. Question for you, please write this down mentally, if not on your page there. Um, How do you want the Spirit to energize your witness this year? How do you want the Spirit to energize your witness this year? Talking to a brother this week, we agreed that it would be great to have uh, the Spirit work more deeply in our lives, that spontaneous witness in everyday conversations. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. You go to the store, you're having a conversation. Some, somebody says something that, that triggers you a thought about the Lord and His creation and His work. And well, they should, because they live on His turf. Oh, yeah. They're going to talk about Him in ways that maybe they don't even understand. Are you listening for those opportunities? Yes. And would you pray for an opportunity then to speak, give wisdom to speak to them. I was at the bank this past week and I uh, I was depositing some money and uh, and as I did as I did so I'm not giving it out, Tom. I'm not giving it out. <laughs> but as I as I did, I, I I brought out my card here that has my account number on it and the, and the edge of it is all worn down. It's 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 all been crumpled over and it looks it looks pretty hokey it looks pretty bad and and she she volunteered to make me a new one and i said i like old things i've been married 47 years <laughs> it was only after i said that that whoops <laughs> Might, might not have been the best way to put things. But, but she said, yeah, old things are good. Old things are good. I can believe I can agree with her on that. But it was as I was walking away that the thought came to me. Um, I, uh, I know an old and really good story that God the Son uh, came into this world to rescue us. Would you like to hear more about it? And it, I just didn't have it on my tongue in the middle of that conversation. And that's a prayer that I have, to have it on my tongue and not, not when you're just walking away. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's when you get clarity, when you're walking away. So you pray for the Spirit to give you that clarity in the moment. The Spirit came with power to do something very, very precise and particular, to fill the body of Christ. The Spirit came to fill the body of Christ. Now, have you ever walked into a movie, perhaps in your own house, and you've got family members sitting around, and you walk in and you're just completely lost, you're confused, you don't know what's going on. And so you start asking questions. What's going on? What's what's happening? And of course you, you get some reaction from the crowd there. But the point is, if you go into the middle of a story, you don't often get the fullness of what's happening. You can't get the fullness of what's happening. So we have to go back, actually, to the beginning of the Gospels to see what was going on. The Spirit first came to fill Jesus. And the theologians put it this way, the Spirit pneumatized Christ. Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. I don't know that I want to say pneumatized for the next year, okay? Let's, let's say instead spiritualized. 
And we can say that then, that the Holy Spirit came to spiritualize Jesus. And we see that very clearly um, at, uh, at Jesus' conception. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. It was the Shekinah glory himself who was enabling Mary to uh, conceive and to bear a son, a son of God. We see the Spirit also at Jesus' baptism, at the beginning of his ministry, the Spirit descending like a dove. And you hear a voice from heaven saying, uh, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit is initiating Jesus' ministry. And then throughout his ministry, Jesus was pneumatized. He was spiritualized. The Holy Spirit penetrated his body and indwelt for him for his mission. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me, he said in Nazareth at the beginning of his preaching ministry. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me and anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And then finally at his resurrection, Paul says in this, Romans 1, um, he declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness. Jesus was spiritualized in his earthly ministry and earthly body. And at Pentecost, the body of Christ now is spiritualized, is pneumatized. The Spirit of God adapted to fit in people's lives. First of all, the Lord Jesus, in whom we are united, with whom we are united, so that we become the body or the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this body, this corporate body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives here. The Holy Spirit dwells here. Let's draw some application from this. I'm reading Francis Schaeffer in the last few days and came across his, uh, his series of sermons uh, entitled, No Little People. And he opens his first sermon with, words, these, with these words. Now, many uh, think of themselves as so limited. They might say it's wonderful to be a Christian, but I am such a small person. I have such limited talents. I have such limited energy. I don't have the psychological strength I need to really thrive in this world. Or I don't have the gifts that are impressive. What are we to do with that? You may not view yourself as a little people, either individually or as a church. There are Schaefer is right. No little people. See yourself. If you are a believer in Jesus, see yourself as spiritualized. Paul said this way, I regard no one according to the flesh. Do you hear that? I regard no one any longer according to the flesh. If you are in Christ, you are new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, everything has become new. You are not a little people. The second thing we get from this, 
as uh, that we are the first fruits of the new creation. And as the first fruits, do you know what that means? We are the emerging reality of the final consummation, the final delivery of, of newness to this whole created world. God's already started making things new, and he's doing it right here. You are the first fruits of the new creation, loved and inhabited by God, whether you feel it or not. In any case, expect him to work, because that's what the Spirit does to see the glory of God. You're not little, and expect the Spirit to work. The Spirit came with power to fill the body of Christ and then the body of Christ here on earth and to equip the church for mission. Now, I'm going to skim pretty quickly through three different aspects of Old Testament history in order to, in order to get a, a plank to build a powerful platform. The first plank would be, would be found in Genesis chapter 11. Um, the, the, um, the Old Testament opens our eyes to expect big things. And the first thing that we can see from, from Genesis chapter 11 is, is the curse of Babel is reversed. The curse is reversed. In, in, that, in the story here, in, in Acts chapter 2, there is that list of nations that is described. And it's not, it's not random. Um, it, 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 he first of all starts out at, in a northeast direction and names the, the countries and the, the cities of that region. And then he goes over to the west and then he goes to the south. And he's describing all things here are, are, are receiving this outpouring of the Spirit. And, it, and then, and then the, he, the scripture goes on to describe all of these nations that are, that are now going to experience the reverse the reverse of Babel, um, that is, languages were confused and nations were scattered. Confused and scattered. The exact opposite comes with the outpouring of the Spirit. And that is, that is the clarity of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, bringing people together. That's the exact reverse of Babel. The gospel is given in many languages to unite people in Christ. And this really uh, is what Joel was talking about. They were not drunk, as many people supposed, but they were speaking in tongues that could be understood, and the Spirit was poured out freely and bountifully on all people, and the barriers were coming down all over the place as these people were being brought home to the church, united in Christ through the power of the gospel. And men and women who knew God personally and intimately had become witnesses. Witnesses, those are those, uh, those who have, ha- are witnesses of what they have seen, heard, and personally experienced. And we're witnesses, too, of what we've seen, heard, and personally experienced. The power of the gospel going out 
to gather people from all nations and bringing them united. The second theme that runs through that, that uh, Pentecost picks up on is that, that really it occurred on, on that 50th day after Passover. It is the feast of first fruits or the ingathering that is, that is promised in Exodus 23:16 and many other places. 50 days after Passover. That is seven weeks of seven days plus one. 50 days. And it is a celebration of the harvest where the first fruits were brought in. And there, and there was a great trust and confidence in God that the rest of the harvest would come in in its time. And so this Pentecost is the first fruits. The end of this chapter, we read 3,000 souls were brought in and, there, and continued to be added day by day. This is the beginning of the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant where the nations would be harvested. And people, that's why I love the ministry of Rich Gardner. Because of his commitment uh, to bring about, through the power of the Spirit, an ingathering of the nations, some of the toughest nations in the world. And God's Spirit is working powerfully through him. Uh, he is used, being used by the Spirit to revive the church, to encourage and to equip the church for both evangelism and discipling. We, we love to support that Work of the first fruits. The third theme from the Old Testament that is coming to fulfillment here in Acts chapter 2 is, is that it is a, a, a recapitulation or a commemoration of the giving of the law at Sinai. According to the Jewish calendar, the, the day that Moses received the law from God uh, was the very day, was that day of Pentecost. And Hebrews 12, verse 18, records the same sights and sounds of Pentecost that were occurring at the time when Moses ascended the mountain and received from the Lord uh, those divine words. A powerful difference, though. Sinai was a giving of the holy law written on stone tablets. And what's happening here, that same law written upon the flesh of our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us that inward longing to be holy and to love God's mission. A fulfillment of Sinai, the law now lives in us by the power of the Spirit so that the church can fulfill Christ's commission. Uh, in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 8 here, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come, has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's really a restating uh, of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when all power is given to me, Jesus said, so that you can go out and make disciples. All power is given to me so that through the Holy Spirit, he pours his life into us, his energy into us. There's a pattern of this in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 4. Uh, they, were, uh, they were going through a time of persecution. And, and they prayed to the Lord. Uh, they prayed, Lord, give us boldness of speech. And by the way, throw in some of these miracles as well. They really help out. That's what their prayer was. I want power and I want signs and wonders. And God gave them power. They were able to speak God's word with power. The Lord came again with, 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 uh, through the, the wind of the Spirit in the, in the home where they were living, but it was the word of power that changed the city. 
Well, we see from these examples the curse of Babel being reversed and the feast of the first fruits and the and the, the powerful giving of the internal law. The Pentecost calls us to expect and to pray for harvest. Uh, one of our worship leaders in years past has, uh, has prayed this, um, praying to our Jesus, and that always got my attention. That always, that always caused me to respond. And, and here... Let's add to that our spirit. Our spirit. He indwells us. He is given to us. He gives himself to us. And he is the harvesting God. Therefore, pray for all kinds of people. And don't give up on anyone. We all have people in our lives that we want to see changed by the gospel. And sometimes we grow impatient. And sometimes we grow cynical. And sometimes we just stop praying. But keep praying for the ministry of the Spirit to work in changing Lives could be a child or a friend or a relative, someone at work. Pray for the Spirit's work. And do you notice as we as we look through even these first couple of chapters of, of Acts that they were always praying together? Um, our catechism picks up on that and, and says not only pray to the Father in heaven, pray to our Father in heaven. So I encourage you, I strongly encourage you, not only to pray in your own home, but to pray with others for the illuminating power of the Spirit, for your eyes to be opened, and for the work of the Spirit through, through your ministry, through our ministry as a church. That's something we do best together. Pray for the ministry of the Spirit and pray together. One final encouragement to you is uh, in the 1980s in Uganda, God used a, a man by the name of Jack Miller to, um, as an instrument, as a spirit's instrument, instrument to bring amazing revival uh, to, uh, to Uganda. And one of the things that I love about Jack Miller um, is that uh, he is unafraid. Unafraid to say, it's when I'm weak that it's when I'm strong. That's one of his mantras, when I'm weak. And look to the Lord, come to Him, become a man of prayer and dependence. That's when I'm strong. I want to encourage you, finally, my dear friends, that it is your weakness that qualifies you to ask for the Spirit's help. Your weakness does not disqualify you from getting God's ear. It qualifies you. And then you come to the Lord and you say, here I am. Uh, change me. Build me into the servant that you want me to be. Let's pray.
God and Father, how we thank you for the, um, the beauty of your word. It's unexpected. Um, it challenges our assumptions. Um, it, it humbles us while it exalts Christ. We ask, Lord, that, that in these months of considering your word and the ministry of the Spirit, that we would be those whose eyes are being enlightened, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened, that we see the glory of God more clearly. Thank you. Thank you that you do not leave us alone. Thank you that you have come to live inside of us as individuals, but also as a church. We pray that you would help us to think of ourselves and think of one another as spiritualized people. Not little people, spiritualized people. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.